The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Welcome to the show, everybody. Here we go. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. I think we got a good hour planned for you. On the way, a deep dive about the markets. We're going to get into that in just a second. Great segment on mistakes we make in each decade of our lives and how to avoid them. These are financial mistakes, not life mistakes. That would be a different show. Ask Annex is coming up. We're going to talk about RMDs, Social Security, HSAs. These are questions that come from you. You can ask us anything at AnnexWealth.com. Looking for that Ask button. And a really popular segment called Millionaire Myths and Why They Are Wrong. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. And uh, you're sitting in for Dave Spano is Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here, Danny. Appreciate it. You know, you mentioned deep dive into the markets, and I think any deep dive into the markets currently also entails a deep dive into inflation expectations. We're on the doorstep of another reading on inflation coming up on Tuesday. And so I think we should talk about that a little bit, Derek, in terms of what we're expecting to see, but also, you know, how it's going to look going forward? Well, we're certainly expecting another hot number. You know, again, since the pandemic is largely behind us, the pent-up demand, the lack of supply has resulted in sharp inflationary pressures, and that was only aggravated by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So we are looking for another hot number. The one thing I would point out, though, is the numbers are going to become less hot going forward. And by that, I mean, we're going to start going against year-over-year comparisons who were very elevated a year ago. So while people will continue to talk about inflation, and versions of the yield curve and the rest, it's likely that we're going to see lower inflation readings going forward than we have recently. You know, it's interesting because I get to sit with clients frequently, and one of the things we do is deep dive into their financial plan, which includes some projections, and you have to build baseline assumptions. And for a long time, we've used an underlying average inflation rate as part of that. And clients would look at us and say, geez, that's a pretty high average. You know, inflation's only been running one or one and a half percent. And I always say, you know, this is long-term average. We're looking over the long time frame. Interestingly, that has completely flipped where now people are looking at that long-term average and wondering if we're ever going to get back down there. And I think what you're saying is with some in-depth analysis into how the numbers are calculated, you can see into the future where you're going to see a moderating level of inflation, but definitely not a drop back in prices to where we used to be. Right. We're going to probably see a more elevated level because two of the big components of the inflationary calculations are owner-equivalent rent, which tends to lag the rise in housing prices by about 12 to 18 months. And we know housing prices have been very strong up until just recently. So you'd expect owner-equivalent rent to continue to move higher. And then the other key element is oil prices. We know oil prices are sharply higher from where they were a year ago. So we know that's going to be in the cake too. But think about some of these things. So on a year-over-year basis, when we're talking about inflation, used cars up 41%. I don't believe that's sustainable. I don't think we're going to continue to see 41% increases in used cars. Financial services, 10%. That seems pretty high to me, too. I don't know where that number comes from. 
Car and truck rentals, 24%. Energy, 26%. New trucks, 12%. But remember, those are increases that are going to be reflected in many corporate results. So we're going to see a lot of companies actually pose much better than expected results because they have pricing power. Yeah, you're right. You know, you mentioned car rentals in there. And I can tell you, you know, I had the good fortune of being able to do some traveling recently and experienced that where it used to be, you know, you just went to on your app and you reserved a car and it was a pretty reasonable price for a day. It wasn't that bad. Now you got to make sure that the car is available first and foremost, that you actually can get the reservation and the price that you're paying to rent a car for a week seems astronomical. So that's right to people's bottom line. Yeah. The other funny thing, a friend of mine went on a trip recently and he actually rented a U-Haul and it only cost him $29 a day. So there's a very smart way to get a rental car. <laughs> at a much lower price. And, you know, you could put a bed in the back and, you know, potentially skip going to the hotel and, and turn it into some sort of, like, Wild West show. I I'm would need a built-in shower somewhere in there. I'm not going on vacation with Derek ever. <laughs> right, Derek Felsky right. is our chief investment officer at Annex Wealth Management. Mark Beck is managing director of Wealth Management Services. Still to come on the show, mistakes we make in each decade of our lives. And, Mark, you probably see this. People get into their 30s, and they're probably starting to do pretty well, and they just don't make great financial moves into the 40s, they've got more obligations, kids, you know, into their 50s. So there are planning things around all of these decades that you need to pay attention to. You know, maybe the underlying risk there is procrastination for all of those age groups. That's right. If we can help, head to our website. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. Yes, you can do it on a weekend. We'll talk to you next week. How about that? Going to be back in a bit. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back. It is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. Done as a fee-only fiduciary in the studio. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Mark Beck is Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. You know, Derek, digging into the markets again, you know, things that are intertwined that we can't really pull apart. We were talking about inflation, and so I think we also then have to talk about monetary policy because they definitely go hand in hand. And we got some more insight this past week in terms of minutes from the FOMC meeting and starting to look at how they're viewing inflation and how that's going to impact changes in interest rates. After we digest that a little bit, we can also talk about how that might impact portfolio construction. Right. So on on Tuesday, Lyle Brennard, who was considered to be one of the major doves on the FOMC basically came out and said that she thought the Fed needed to raise rates and reduce the balance sheet in a rapid fashion. And I don't think investors, particularly in the stock market, were prepared for that. So this week, we saw the 10-year yield go from 2.34% to 2.71. We saw the 30-year mortgage rate go above 5%. So the Fed is having an effect on interest rates without even moving the Fed funds rate. We know we're expecting them to raise it 50 basis points in the May meeting and perhaps even in the June meeting. But a lot of that is already priced in. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, if inflation is starting to roll over, that you'd think that that would cause the Fed to perhaps pull back. So right now, there's kind of a race to see who can say they're going to hike rates the most. You know, some people are saying they want the Fed funds rate above 3%. 
Others are saying even higher. But, you know, the, the Fed is data dependent ultimately, and they're going to say as much as they can. They don't want to derail the economy, and I don't think they want to crash the stock market, but they certainly want people to believe that they are actually on the case because they are clearly behind the curve. Yeah, and they want to get rid of that public perception that they've been behind the curve, certainly, and there's going to be some work to do to get there. You know, the Fed controls the federal funds rate. That's the ultra short end, and you talked about market expectations really determining, you know, where rates are going to be in, say, like the 10-year and 20-year Treasury, and that's where we've seen a tremendous amount of movement already. You know, think back not that long ago where you'd have been really happy to be able to find a safe 10-year Treasury yield at 2.7%, and now we're there. And so that definitely impacts how we start to think about positioning within a fixed income side of an investment portfolio. I mean, it really is better for retired investors, right? Now they can actually invest and, and get a return on their fixed income investments, whereas before they were generating a massively negative real rate of return. So we used to hear lots of people complain about, you know, 0% on the CD and so on. But with inflation running at, you know, let's call it 5%, you know, that's a real loss of purchasing power going forward in some ways as a tax. In addition, gasoline prices at five bucks a gallon, that's another tax as well, which is why some people are very concerned about consumer spending, that it may slow. We we do not believe that's really going to happen any measurable degree because balance sheets are in such a good spot. People have saved a lot of money. Household net worth is near all-time highs. But the Fed does, you know, get a lot of attention. And I would caution investors, you know, look at the economic calendar. Understand when Fed people are supposed to speak because you never know. They do move the markets even on the short-term basis. But for a long-term investor, as Mark, you always say when we have our investment planning meetings, we are long-term investors and we take advantage of longer-term trends. And as long as we avoid a recession, the economy ought to remain in decent footing and so should the stock market. You know, that's what I like about this show is give us a chance to come in here and kind of digest what's happening in the headlines and try to steer people towards those things that are actionable longer-term trends and away from those things that are noise. And the actionable long-term trends play themselves out more slowly than the headlines do, right? So how do we position? We, we positioned for rising interest rates a long time ago. We are clearly in the middle of rising interest rates right now. And this isn't the time to think about, geez, how do I protect my portfolio against that? And when I look at the things that we've done on behalf of our clients, what we see is the the fixed income side, you know, holding up dramatically better than the broad index, for example, where there is a lot more sensitivity to rising rates. And so that positioning is work that the investment team has done well in advance. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Mark Beck is Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. Still to come on the show, one of our most popular segments called Millionaire Myths, Why They're Wrong. And I'll tell you, one of them is, you got it easy. You got it handed to you. Nothing could be further from the truth. I've known some very successful people. It's been blood, sweat, and tears. Can we help with your planning, investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning? We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Back in a bit on Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right, and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management annexwealth.com. 
We're back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. In the studio, Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. You know, I'm blessed being in the marketing department doing the radio shows because I get to see and hear a lot of our different departments. Same thing with you, but you see and hear a lot of different clients. Let's talk about what, I guess, within the business we call high net worth clients. What is it that Annex does very well for those types of folks? Well, beyond the comprehensive team that we talk about all the time, I think one of the things people don't know they're going to benefit from until they experience it is the overview and coordination that comes with that. So, for example, it's common for a higher net worth individual to have a relationship with an estate planning attorney to already be working with a tax accountant. So they feel like they've got those things sort of covered. But what they're missing is the coordination of those efforts in terms of how it comes together in a comprehensive plan that's forward-looking. So you might have the estate plan. You did it. You put it in place. But have you really carried it through? Did you uh, did you title the accounts correctly? Uh, did you look at the beneficiaries? And are you thinking about changes that are going to occur along the way, not only maybe in the projection of your net worth, but also when the rules change? It's not normal for you know attorneys necessarily to be proactive in terms of contacting their clients and saying, hey, there's been a rule change. We really need to dig into this and see if you need amendment. Whereas a comprehensive wealth management firm, we really kind of take that responsibility in terms of keeping people in tune to the progression that does happen, whether it's law changes, your life, you communicating different goals and different you know desires, and bring that stuff together. So that coordination is the thing I think people don't realize how strong that is until a year or two into the relationship, and they look back and they say, wow, this has really, really moved the needle for me. You often use a phrase that I really like, and it's working on behalf of our clients, and we're watching out for stuff like that. Right. That's the proactive nature of having that comprehensive wealth manager as part of your team, really. So kind of the coordinator or the, or the captain. And you're right, working on behalf of clients, doing that proactively, getting together and looking through all those different areas on a regular basis to see what's next. Like, where are we headed with planning or what's you know in your way, basically, along the path where a course adjustment becomes appropriate. Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. If that sounds like something you want, and if that's something you expect, Annex Wealth Management is a fee-only fiduciary that takes care of investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Quick reminder, while you're on our website, sign up for the Axiom, which is our weekly newsletter. Also, check out the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. Great content there. We're going to be back. This is Money Talk. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Investment and retirement planning is personal. The Annex Wealth Management way is to meet you where you're at. That's the best place to start. Seasoned investor, careful saver, or do-it-yourself for tidying up loose ends? If you're ready for comprehensive wealth management from the fee-only fiduciaries at Annex, so are we. Maybe you're stuck and not sure what to do next. It's time for Wealth Metric with a deep dive on investment, retirement, and tax planning. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. Start today at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? There is no shortage of stories about celebrities who die without proper wills and estate plans. Just because somebody's got fame and fortune doesn't mean they avoid making the same kind of mistakes everybody else can make. Jill Martin is a estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Back to talk about this. Hey, Jill. Hi, Danny. We talk about this stuff all the time, and I wish we had a whole hour, and we wouldn't even come close to all of the celebrity mistakes. Let's concentrate on a few. Absolutely. Sounds right, good. Let's start with the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. 
So she died. Her estate was estimated to be in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Didn't look like she had a will. So her sons approved a cousin to act as the executor. But then three handwritten, almost illegible documents were found. One, you said, was in a couch cushion? It was. So problem solved. You got a will. Well, you would think, but no, not as easy as that goes, right? So the problem was is, Did they satisfy all the legal requirements to be a will? Were they executed properly? You need witnesses whenever you write a last will and testament. So it gets to be really messy. And so now they had all of these issues of, are these valid? Which one is the most recent? And what do we follow and what do we do? And she had four sons. One of those sons had diminished mental capacity. And within one of those documents was just a handwritten instruction to, quote, take care of him. That's not enough. That's generally not going to be enough, right? What does that mean? Does that mean give him money? Does that mean hold money for his benefit? And then how do you use that money for his benefit? Too generic. Plus, she had about $8 million in unpaid taxes. So somebody's got to figure out how that's getting paid. Right. Her poor CPA is probably cringing. Unfortunately, celebrities have a lot of issues that surround them. And if you don't surround yourself with good advisors and good people to support that, their issues are going to be magnified. Let's go on to Prince. Prince died with no will, but a massive estate, like hundreds of million dollars. Dozens of claimants surfaced. He's got six siblings. Last thing I saw was so far, like $45 million had been spent just on administration, $10 million in legal fees alone. Yes, because there was no will. And he had an interesting family dynamic where there were lots of half brothers and half sisters. And he had been married and divorced. And right. Who are his heirs? That becomes an exercise of genealogy just to figure out who would be a rightful heir to take, which that took years of litigation to sort through in and of itself. You know, the other thing that's really big with his estate is, is obviously music royalties, use of a likeness. How do you value that? The executors for his estate came in and said, we think his whole estate all in is worth, you know, about 82, 83 million. The IRS, after the estate tax return was filed, said, "Mm, yeah, we think it's about double that. Write us another check for another $33 million in estate tax. So it becomes a really, really difficult thing to plan when you have no idea the valuation. Larry King died, married eight times, seven women. Sean King, the latest wife, but they were in divorce proceedings, but I guess it was stalled. She was the executor of his estate, according to a 2015 will, but now there's a handwritten will that came up from 2019, and it only splits his assets between the five kids, so she's pushing back on that. Larry King Jr. says he's got priority over the latest wife, but the wife says a handwritten will violates two post-nuptial agreements. Right? You can't make this stuff up, can you? I mean, the other part of this is this handwritten will from 2017 was before two of his children had passed away. So now, in addition, he only has three surviving children. So what happens to those other two-fifths? It demonstrates that while best laid intentions to get something written down quickly to make sure your wishes are in place is it actually leads to more problems. Tony Shea is not a household name, but he founded Zappos. When he died, he was worth $840 million. And again, you saw this coming. No will. Resident of Nevada. And according to their interstate succession laws, his parents would inherit the entire estate. But there's no records. There's just instructions on sticky notes. He had real estate investments as various LLCs. And there's debt to pay. So 
So his family's going to get nailed with this huge tax bill. Well, and again, it's not the family, right? So if we're projecting his estate to be in the $850 million range, take off the debts. The debts will get settled as part of that. But then whatever's left, 40% of that is going to go to the IRS as part of an estate tax payment before the family gets a dollar. You know, how much of that $840 million was liquid? You know, that becomes a really big question. Do you have to sell off a bunch of things? I think I've already seen that they're selling off some of his real estate investments and hotels that maybe he had in Nevada because they need cash. (laughs) At Annex Wealth Management, you don't have to be the queen of soul, the master of purple rain, a successful talk show host or an internet pioneer. Put things in the proper place with the right kind of estate plan that's part of your larger financial plan. That's what we do. Jill Martin, estate planning attorney, Annex Wealth Management. I know this is going to happen again. We'll talk about this again. I'm sure we will. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. And here we got a team segment. Randy Winkler, CFP and Manager of Financial Planning at Annex Wealth Management. Randy, welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be here. A recent article caught my eye. Title was The Biggest Money Mistakes by Decade. It's about the decisions that we make or don't make each decade of our life. Right. It's a really interesting subject because there are different phases that you go through and there's different things that you should be doing and things that you shouldn't be doing. Let's run through them. Now, you've seen the results of good and bad planning as you look at portfolios as part of your team. Let's see if we can find some ways to avoid them. In fact, let's flip it around on the positive and talk about how to properly handle these phases. And the first event I think is very interesting. It's childhood. And this is really more for the parents. And this is missing opportunities to educate the kids. Right. It's very interesting in that uh, money is the last taboo, they're calling it. You talk about everything else, you won't talk about money. And that's really doing a disservice to kids because how are they going to learn? They're going to learn as they grow up through painful misadventure. You know, if they don't learn the dangers of credit cards or the power of saving or the power that budgeting can give, you probably are going to find it out in your 30s or 40s because of making painful mistakes that you have to dig out of a hole. But what about even when they're little kids and, and kind of making wise choices with their allowances even? Right. That's interesting. And I think people think that kids can't handle it. I can tell personal experiences. My niece and nephew, they were three and five. One sitting on either knee, and I was going through a book that was was called a financial fairy tale, a story of the three little pigs. It was a spending pig, saving pig, and sharing pig, and the big bad wolf was a, a bad real estate developer. And it had questions in there where it's about, is this a want or is this a need? And they were just fascinated and influenced, and my sister just happened to walk in the room and say, since we got the new couch, we really need new drapes. And my niece, who was five, said, do we need new drapes or do you want new drapes? And my sister got this look on her face. I've never thought of it that way. So if a five-year-old can pick it up. An adult can, but if you can start at that age, it's developing the skills and the interest to move forward with that. Let's move into the 20s. One of them is when you get a job, you get involved with that 401k. Yes. And it's funny, I hate to keep bringing it up, but I just had this conversation with my niece. She's got a new job. I asked her, what's your company match? She said, it's 5%. I said, and you're contributing five? She said, no, I'm contributing two. I said, well, you know what we call that at, at Annex? We call it a voluntary pay cut. So I very strongly encouraged her, she's now 24, to use all of the skills that I tried to ingrain in her growing up and say, you got to get to 5% to get the free money. 
The tough part for people is it's deferred gratification. When you're 20 or 30 years old, you're not thinking about when you're 59 and a half and get access to that money through your 401k. But it's like a snowball rolling downhill. The bigger you can get it going when you're younger. And just a little trick for people is when you get a raise, you get a 3% raise, up your 401k by 1%. It's very simple. And over time, you'll be surprised at how you go from your 5 to 6 to 7. Pretty soon, you're at 20% by the time you're you know, a little bit older. Talking about addressing money mistakes we make by decades. So now into the 30s, misplaced spending. What we see here is that there's a big difference between living in the present or living in the future. You have to find a good combination of both. We've seen people that have just deferred gratification. They've saved and saved, and they died at a young age and never got to enjoy it. The flip side is the typical American stereotype, spend it all now, and then there's nothing in the future. So finding a good mix where you've got to have some discretionary fun money, but don't go over the top. Briefly, do you have a formula for renting versus buying a house? Uh, that um, also one that comes up every once in a while. Uh, what we've seen where people make a mistake is going by the old way of thinking that renting is bad and buying is good. If you're moving to a new area, we've seen it where people go in and they just buy a house. And then they find, well, this isn't the neighborhood I want to be in. This isn't the community I want to be in. In those cases, often it makes sense to come in, rent for a while, get to know the area, find the community that you want to live in before you put down the permanent roots. Now we're into the 40s, and the biggest threat is not saving enough and investing enough. Right. In the 40s, you've kind of settled into your career. You're approaching your peak earning years. You're not quite there yet. You should be building up a pretty good nest egg and thinking about what you want your future to look like. You're not thinking about retirement, but you're planning for it. And you have to take a look at your time frame, where a lot of people get caught up as they think of their money as being all in one bucket. Really, you have to divide it up by your time frame and your goal for it. If you're taking a big vacation this summer, that money should not be in the market. You need it to be very liquid. It's probably in the bank. But the money that you want in your 40s for retirement, which is 20, 30 years down the road, you don't want that in the bank. You want that working for you and taking the appropriate amount of risk for your goal. Okay, now into the 50s, and this is the zone where we really think people need a plan. Correct. This is where you bring everything together, you take a look at it, and you start defining when do I want to retire. And then the most difficult number for most people is what am I going to spend in retirement? What is the expense that the portfolio and the income sources have to support? That's something that we, we work with people and we take a look at it and we give them a, a percentage. Like you have an 85% chance of success based on your inputs, or you've got a 45% chance of success. It's all based around getting the data in there, and you still have time to make the adjustments if you need to. Now we're to our 60s, and again, a big mistake, not having a plan. Correct. We've seen it where people come in, I'm like, hey, I'm retiring in three months. I've decided I want to come in and talk to you people. That's great, you know, because there's so many things that you have to look at when you get to that point where you're looking for your retirement paycheck as opposed to your job paycheck. What order are you going to distribute the assets from which account? You know, when do you start Social Security? Do you need bridge health care? Some very creative things you can do with tax planning and Roth conversions and stuff that we geek out on here all the time. But it can be kind of complicated when people that work their whole life and have been diligent savers and get there and they're like, now what? I'm going from accumulation to distribution. What do I do? Same thing then when somebody gets in their 70s and it says can't outrun inflation and debt. Correct. So what a lot of people think is like in the old thinking was, okay, the older you get, the more conservative you get. You always have to think of buckets. For the money that you need in the short term, you're always going to keep it liquid. Whether you're 20 and saving for a new car or a new house or you're 70 and taking money out to support your lifestyle, you're still going to have a lot of life ahead of you and you've got to keep growing to stay ahead of inflation. Randy Winkler, how does he know all this? Well, he's a CFP and he's a manager of financial planning at Annex Wealth Management. When we talk about the free portfolio analysis, that's your team. Correct. We take a look at uh, 
whatever you hold right now, and we tell you, how's it working? Is it working well? Is it not working well? Are the fees too high? What is it doing for you? Randy, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right, and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We are always open for questions, client or not. If we can help, we will. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Look for that Ask tab. It's up near the top of the screen, and we get back to everybody. Some folks are anonymous, and some people say, sure, use this on the radio. Joining me, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA, and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Deanne. Hello, Danny. And Randy Winkler, CFP and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Hi, Danny. All right, our first one is from Kevin. I turned 72 in a week, which means I need to take my first RMD. Is there a better time of the year to take it? This is a question we get quite often. Some people say, hey, do we take it at the beginning of the year? Do we take it at the end of the year? Do we take it monthly? I don't know what you feel about this, Deanne, but I think this is more of a gut decision than a head decision. If you knew where the market was going, it would be very easy to make a decision, but the market moves around. So I think for most people, for the RMD question is what works best for you? Well, yeah. And if you're at a place where you're producing your retirement paycheck, then it's a cash flow issue as well. You know, would you rather take it spread out? over the year monthly or quarterly or if it's small enough maybe it's the christmas bonus you know to buy your christmas gifts with so it's really personalized next question is a text question is kind of a response from something we had a week or so ago if someone takes social security early but also dies early isn't that better than waiting and getting nothing This is another one that's interesting. I I often joke if people had their expiration date stamped on their forehead, we would have the easiest job on the planet. Yes, if you delay Social Security, you need to live to a certain point to break even. Generally, if you wait till 70, it's about 82. So the question isn't just a mathematical one, it's also a health one. If no one in your family has lived past 75, then it probably doesn't make sense to wait. It is, but also adding to that question, along that path, you're right, in that if you die before you start claiming, then it depends. If you do not have a family, you're right, your benefits have gone to pay other Social Security workers, there's nothing remaining. However, if you have a spouse and or children that are minor, they would be eligible for survivor benefits. So even if you pass before you mathematically get all of your share, it's possible that your remaining share could pass on to your family. Social Security can be a kind of a complicated decision because maybe in early retirement, you're more active. So you want the cash flow, even though you'd be better off on waiting. It Very often it's about taxes because you're not taxed on 100% of Social Security, so it can be cheaper than making IRA withdrawals, which are 100% taxable. So there's a lot of things that factor into that decision. Life expectancy is one of the more complicated ones. Good stuff, and that's why it takes planning. Next one's from Michael, HSA question. I use my account regularly to pay approved expenses. A friend said that's a mistake and I should invest it instead and carry it into retirement. I'm 52. I contribute 15% to my 401k and have other investments as well. Well, I love this question because a couple of years ago, um, one of the other, I'll say, money geeks in the office, uh, Matt Morsey, and I were having some debates on this. And Danny, if you'll remember, you pulled us in here to have the debate um, on the air. So two 
philosophies with HSAs, and I think they're being addressed here. Let's say you're in the 22% tax bracket and you use your HSA to pay current expenses, you're basically getting a 22% discount on those expenses. But if you pay for it out of current cash flow, you don't get that discount but you could invest the money maybe even somewhat aggressively and then it grows in the future, grows tax deferred, comes out tax free. So I actually changed my personal strategy based on those. I've got some things I'm paying out of cash and some of the HSA is invested for the long term. I don't think you can go wrong. Just fund your HSA, you're gonna be in a good place. Okay, next up on Ask Annex, and again, if you got a question, head to AnnexWealth.com, look for the Ask button. If we can help, you click that Get Started button. This one's anonymous. Do I need to let anyone know how they might be included in my estate planning? You know what I'm thinking, Deanne? I'm thinking of that classic movie where it's the reading of the will. Right, right. right, right and the whole well, room's crowded. I guess I'm not thinking so much in estate planning here about what people are going to get as remainder men. But certainly if someone's going to be named as your financial power of attorney or health care power of attorney while you're alive to help you out, that's a discussion we'd recommend having with that person so that there are no surprises. Now, you want to make sure that that person will actually act in that capacity for you. And if they don't, there usually is a built-in contingency in the documentation. But I would think for peace of mind, you want to have that discussion. Now, sometimes people do want their heirs or kids to know that this planning has been done. That doesn't mean you have to tell them, guess what, kids, you're inheriting a million bucks. You know, it can be without the dollar amount, but it can just be, hey, just so you know, adult kids, my planning's in place. There's a structure that's going to happen when something happens to me. One unfortunate thing we see sometimes with estate planning is that the parents do all of this work to try to make it easier on the kids. And then because of a lack of communication, there are problems later on. Like, why was big brother made the trustee and not me? Or this person isn't as responsible. So having that discussion as to who's responsible and then also who's not and why. Right. And and when it comes to giving money to charities, you don't need to let them know ahead of time because you can always change your mind before you pass. Running short on time, but I know you're going to like this one, Deanne, from Susan. What does Deanne mean when she talks about turning on all your income sources at once during retirement? Wouldn't that be automatic? This is the one I yell from the mountaintop, stop it, stop it. You know, this is one of the biggest mistakes we see where everyone turns on their sources of income all at once and they have a tax problem then and sometimes too much income for what their needs are. This is why financial planning is so important. Different aspects of the income streams you turn on are taxed differently, including Social Security. You got to look at the tax planning and the income structure of what you need versus your assets and your investments and put them all together to answer that question. Susan, you're probably not alone. We will dig deeper into this on a future show. Deanne Phillips, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Randy Winkler, appreciate it. Always love being here. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday the 10th. We're going to be right back, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Brandon Lehman, a wealth manager and director of branch development at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Danny, good to see you. 
According to Fidelity's Millionaire Outlook study, the vast majority of millionaires, 82%, are self-made. They didn't inherit money. They built their wealth themselves. Let's talk about that because we have a list of millionaire myths, and I'm sure you've run into some. Oh, yeah. There's quite a few stories out there of, you know, what do you need to do, how you are. And, and one of the biggest ones to me kind of jumps into number one there, and I'll let you run with it. But it's really important. It's not what you make. It's what you keep. And I think this must be frustrating for people that have achieved millionaire status. Let's go with number one. If you have a high salary, you are set for life. You would think that, and, and sometimes that's kind of the myth out there is you make a lot of money, you're going to have a lot of money. But really, some people grow into that income. They grow into that high salary, and they actually don't save. They want to keep up with the Joneses. But really, it's there are certain individuals who have sat down and said, you know what, to be a millionaire, I do have a high salary, but I am going to save this. I'm going to save that. Diligently focused on saving as much as they could to better themselves for retirement. And that's really what they're concerned with. A lot of millionaires, it's not the now. It's when can I finally retire? And you'll see later on in some of these myths that it's actually a lot later in life, they work harder. Fidelity study found that on average, 31% of millionaires' salaries go to savings. So right, they're putting in. Yeah, that is their number one goal is just to put away to put away. Millionaire myth number two, it's all luck. That is very much a myth because a lot of the folks that we talk to here at Annex have worked extremely hard. They put in long hours, long nights, long days, time away from their family to build this legacy, not just for themselves, but sometimes for their family. They're doing it and they're putting in the time and the effort to get to where they want to be. Millionaire myth number three, you have to make all your money before you retire. See, that one is great to me because when I think about it, there are so many people that I've met throughout my career that were not millionaires before they retired, but they went into retirement and they did two things. First off, they continued to remain invested. They didn't do bring it all down, be cautious, be safe. They said, you know what? We have a long time frame. some situations, 30 plus years in retirement. We need to keep this growing for us. The second thing they did is they watched their spending. Seeing a common theme here. They watched how much they were spending and where their dollars were going. Millionaire myth number four, you must have a fancy college degree. That is extremely inaccurate. While it does help to have a great degree from a Harvard, a Yale, things like that, you know, the vast majority of people do not. They are self-made millionaires who have gone out and started a business and put in the time, put in the effort, and were able to find a niche or an opportunity to grow that business. The key is they put in the effort, they put in the work, and they strived so hard and put so much forth to grow their wealth to reach that millionaire status. You know the classic book from the 80s. I read it, The Millionaire Next Door. I think one of the best lines I've ever heard is, you know, the farmer next door yep. really is a millionaire, a yep. multimillionaire now with you look at land prices and where they're at. But, you know, they, they work hard, they save their money, and they don't overspend. Millionaire myth number five, they work for big banks, law firms, and tech companies. Well, some of them do. Yep. Yeah, there's, they definitely do. But the vast majority do not. You know, you look at it, 66% of millionaires own their own business. They start out, they have nothing. They, they pour their heart and soul into this, whatever business they have, whether it's owning a paper printing company or a clothing store, whatever they, they do, they pour their heart and soul into it. And it takes years. And that's what people don't see is all those years of sweat equity that they put into it. The famous thing I've always seen on LinkedIn, I, I love LinkedIn, is you see 
the the pyramid of the first, second, and third place, and they're standing in the first place position. But underneath that pyramid, under the ground, is all that sweat equity, that work they put in over 10, 15, 20, 30 plus years to build that business. Millionaire myth number six, success comes easily and early. Oh, that's a great one. One, nothing in life is easy when it comes to hard work. But the second thing that is extremely important is you're seeing the age of millionaires get older and older because they are working harder and working longer. Maybe 70 is the new 55, but they continue to strive and they diversify their income streams. This is one that has always been interesting to me when I sit down and meet with millionaires and specifically business owners. The one thing I always notice is the same across the board. They own the business, but then they own the building in a separate business in which the business is housed, the business pays them rent. So they're able to diversify their income streams. And then if they sell the business, maybe they keep the building. That is a common one you see as well. We got two more millionaire myth number seven. They don't have anything to worry about. That is a big myth because everybody has the same thing to worry about. And it's always health. A lot of these folks, especially small business owners, have put everything behind them just to make sure their business takes off. A lot of people have put everything they can into their business and kind of pushed off their health. And that's something we tend to see too. These small business owners have worked so hard and they've forgotten about taking care of themselves. And that's a big concern when they come in here. They say, you know, I've worked 30, 40 years. It's time for me to take care of myself. The other thing is, you know, how do they leave money behind? A legacy is so important to a lot of these folks. They want to take care of their family, take care of their kids. And then just financial security. You work, 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 save, save, save. And then at some point that flips and now you're not saving, you're withdrawing. And that's a scary moment for a lot of folks. And the millionaire myth number eight, the final, they've got their future all figured out. That's the reason we're around. They come in here, they are experts at what they do. And I I say this all the time. They are the subject matter experts or in the military, we call it, they're the SMEs in their area. But there's other areas where they're just not as comfortable. So they come to Annex and they sit down with us because we can bring all those teams to them. We bring the experts in the tax, we bring the experts in the estate, we bring the experts in the planning and the investment. This way, they don't have to worry about having it figured out because they know they have a team behind them to figure it out for them, and they can worry about the things they want to do and take care of their health, their family, and their future. We are ready to assist investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Brandon Lehman, Director of Branch Development and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your time. Danny, thank you. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right, and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. We're back. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News for the 10th. So we're just about a week away from when uh, taxes need to be filed. At Annex Wealth Management, there's filing taxes and then there's tax planning. Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. Big difference. Yep. Not the same thing, that's for sure. Fortunately, we have a deadline for tax preparation and filing. And so once we're past that, okay, we get to not worry about that anymore. Unfortunately, too many people think about that in terms of I'm done thinking about taxes until you know April of next year. And what happens in that situation, and we see this all the time, is they run right past the tax planning opportunities that are in front of them. 
If you have a relationship with, you know, a tax preparer, that's great. You know, you've maybe you've been doing it yourself, but most people are offloading that, you know, especially when you get to a certain net worth and income level and that sort of thing. Worth every penny, I say. Oh, for sure. I totally agree with that. And the thing about the tax preparer, though, is they're sort of programmed um, to look at what happened, right? So, bring me the documents, tell me what you did last year, tell me how that all worked, and I will put it all together into the tax filing and get that done so that you meet your obligation. That's great. We need that service. What's being missed in there? The strategy, right, around what should we do differently this year, next year, or over the next five years, for example, as we start to project things in a forward-looking way. Um, this is where, let's say, for example, you know, you're in a situation where you're not going to spend all of your required minimum distribution from your IRA. And, you know, maybe leaving a legacy to kids is important to you. You know, many people are in that situation. And that's where the benefits of something like a Roth conversion strategy can really, really, you know, help with that goal. Uh, And tax efficiency from a family perspective, not from an individual or a single year perspective. So broaden that scope a little bit. And all of a sudden you see the benefits of those kinds of things. Another quick example to the same scenario might be around qualified charitable distributions out of your IRA. Once you hit 70 and a half, you have the opportunity to do that. So if you're charitably inclined or you have the ability to match your charity with some other proactive planning, the example, do a larger qualified charitable distribution that opens up more room for Roth conversion in your current tax bracket, you're leveraging these things up to accomplish sort of two goals at once in a way that maybe proactively you haven't really thought about. You know, you talked earlier in the show about it's being comprehensive with Annex Wealth Management. There's another great example. Yeah, those are really the fun things that are so meaningful and really move the needle. Of course, we do a great job managing investment portfolios, in my opinion, but add all that other stuff together and things are great. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, as Mark says, it's comprehensive. It's a complete plan built by our entire team. Tons of smart people. Most important, we're a fee-only fiduciary. That's complete fee transparency. Back in a bit, this is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference in a segment addressing the sandwich generation. Deanne Phillips sees it a lot. Welcome back, Deanne. Hi, Danny. So as Director of Client Learning and Development, you're a CFP, CDFA, a certified divorce financial analyst. You work with a wide variety of clients, and you see it. The sandwich generation can be a tough spot. We're talking about basically an estimated 9 million sandwich generation caregivers having to care for generations on either side. So you see both. Yeah. So it sounds delicious, but let's define that. What it really means is you've got people usually in their 40s or 50s that are taking care of maybe older parents and sometimes grandparents and either kids or grandkids. So you can have a multi-layered deck sandwich in there, Danny, and you've got people that are trying to juggle their own families and jobs and their own finances and assisting family members. I know you did. You had to go through this. That I is mean, true. You, you've got a teenager and you had an aging mom and an aging aunt. So you 
you were doing this. That is that is very true. And running back and forth, and you know, there's the juggle of you've got, you've got work, and you have to have an understanding workplace. It depends upon your career. A lot of this happens to women tend to be the primary caretakers, and it happens at that prime apex of your career as well, usually, unfortunately. You know, you say primary caretakers, but that doesn't mean full-time caregivers, like somebody employed at a care facility. This is running back and forth, oh, getting getting meds, get, talking with, with doctors. The sandwich generation caregivers are balancing full-time as well, and it's got to impact both sides. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. New statistics show that a third of those caregivers live in the same house as their parent, or their parent lives with them, and they need to have backup and help for that parent while they're out either taking care of their own family or working. You know, that's kind of the European way, right? Gen- yeah. Generations are under one roof. Sure. And the other thing is, is that people are having children sometimes later in life. That's kind of pushing things down the track. So you've got kids as your parents are definitely getting into that age when they really are starting to fail. That is very true. And failing in maybe a different way. It might not be uh, physically failing, could be mentally. So about 25% of dementia caregivers are also caring for children under the age of 18. Now that's a tough thing. You know, let's translate that into what we do here at Annex and what we see as planners and I see as a CFP all the time are people come and they sit in front of me and say, all right, (laughs) I've lived this or I've seen this. How can I not be a burden on my own children? Mm. And that's a really great question. So how can I save? How can I plan for myself? This is really, Danny, where financial planning is so incredibly valuable. You know, at Annex, we look in terms of wealth management. We talk about that's really the holistic look at everything. It's all your financial resources your income, social security, pensions. We look at all the outflows, our needs like housing, food, fuel, and our wants, right? Important. Uh, The travel, the fun money, you know, that we want to do, the entertainment that's in retirement. We plug all that into the financial plan, offset it for inflation, and look at projections of where the assets will go in 10, 20, 30 years. But here's the important thing. Then, We stress test that financial plan. Mm. So we say, all right, we'd all like to live happily and healthily until we're 91 and then, you know, that go in our sleep, right? But we have to actually layer in some reality here that what if, if you're a couple, one of you or both of you were hit with a long-term care need or a premature death? What does that do to the surviving spouse? How does that... Uh, deal with the finances in the plan. So it's really important to stress test that. Sure, because you can chug along. And in my dad's case, I mean, he went well into his mid-80s. It was just those last couple of years when all of a sudden, and he had planned. He was a client. He had planned. And so we knew that if his care cost X, that could be taken care of. And that was that was huge. It is huge. But, you know, I also want to bring up that the care can run the other way also. So we're, we've been talking about aging parents, but there's an awful lot of millennials that are choosing to go back home Mm. in between school or before their career or in between their career. And that can have and put a burden on people that are just pre-retirement as well. So, uh, and and especially it can stress family finances, but we see even more than the finances, the psychological stress. Because parents are sometimes afraid to lay down the law with their adult children and say, all right, let's have some expectations. Let's let's see where they're going to kick in in terms of chores or sharing financially and responsibility around the home. So what we advocate, whether it's uh, looking down at the sandwich or up at the sandwich, right, are family meetings. Really understand before something, I don't want to say disaster, before a situation strikes, right? Because before your hand is really forced and you need yeah. to make very quick, very rapid decisions, decisions that you might want a little bit more time to take. 
Absolutely. So let's talk about parents for a moment. You know, talk to your parents about their assets. Ask them about how they want to live as they age. Maybe they're not comfortable saying how much money they have. That's fine. But they should be able to share with you, have they done their estate plan? You know, who should make the medical and financial decisions for them if they can't handle their own affairs? Are all the legal docs in place before they're needed, that health care, POA, financial power of attorney, the HIPAA agreements, and the wills? And, you know, speaking of HIPAA and health care, those adult children need that, too, because once they're over the age of consent, the uh, health care facilities don't need to contact parents. It takes planning. It takes a pro like Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only fiduciary. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, a CFP and a CDFA, and a veteran of a sandwich generation situation. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. In the middle there. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right, and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com website annexwealth.com click that get started button as always you get a question for us look for the ask button also look at the uh, upcoming events because there are a bunch that are pretty interesting again annexwealth.com is the place to start Derek Felsky in the studio on Money Talk the Annex Wealth Management Show he's our Chief Investment Officer Mark Beck is Managing Director of Wealth Management Services you know Derek we spent a little bit of time you know kind of dissecting some of the fundamental changes that we see happening in the economic and monetary environment and you know what we try to do is manage the investment portfolio looking through the windshield and not the rearview mirror. And so looking at where we think, you know, some of these trends are going to head and how they're going to play out and how they impact certain asset classes, that's how we start to formulate you know, changes to investment strategy where we're going to make those proactive adjustments along the way. And I just thought we should talk a little bit about some of those things we've been contemplating or doing recently so that clients that are listeners, you know, can kind of get an insight into the rationale behind some of the adjustments. Yeah, I mean, I mean our expectation really all year long has been that sometime between, say, the end of April, early May, and July, August, we're going to see more volatility, perhaps a little bit of a downward direction, as that's typically what you see in midterm election years. So right now, to get ahead of the curve, we want to position ourselves so we can take advantage of that. And one of the things we've been doing recently is, you know, we've been significantly overweight credit-oriented fixed income in our fixed income portfolios, and and very short in terms of duration, believing that interest rates on the longer end of the yield curve would start to rise. Well, as I mentioned earlier, 34 basis point move in the 10-year, that's a significant move in the fixed income world. And on a percentage basis, the 10-year yields up almost 45% in a month. So what we just what we did is we trimmed a little bit from preferred stocks, a little bit from uh, bank loans, and a little bit uh, short-term bond, and actually added a little bit of duration to our fixed income portfolios. And the reason we do that is that prepares us with, with a portfolio buffer that can cushion the downside and will then enable us to actually raise our equity weighting in the late summer, early fall, as we start to see some sense of where the election is going to go and how the economy looks. Because in our expectation, we don't think there will be 12 rate hikes this year. We really think it'll be less than that. And if that's true, then these treasury years are going to look pretty attractive down the road. Right, right. And I I just love that kind of sequencing of events that you just walked us through right there, which is, you know, to share a little bit about how we had been positioned, which, you know, leads you to where do we think we go when the cycle starts to change? And 
for a long time, it didn't change. You know, we you know didn't see the rising rate environment, and you know for much longer than we had expected. The run up to get there seemed like it was you know way out there, but we had consistently been expecting it to show up, and so here it is playing itself out. And I and I liked how you share the fact that that might be the spot where you start to make changes, and we do. We also think about that on the stock market side, of course, well, as well. well. And well, right, equities are long duration vehicles, and some equities are longer duration than others. And I've been cautioning people on this show for over a year to watch out for those high multiple software names and and biotech companies that don't make any money. Um, so what we did there is we actually reduced exposure to an emerging markets, a global international fund that really buys very expensive stocks. A price of sales multiple on the portfolio is nine. The category average is one point four. And while we do believe that's an excellent manager, which is why we maintain some exposure there, we think he's going to have some problems going into this summer if these ne- negative trends on high multiple stocks continue. So what do you do with the money? Well, you know, dividend paying stocks, uh, multinationals that pay yields higher than the 10-year treasury that have the opportunity to participate in the earnings increases from higher inflation. We buy some of them. And that's, you know, that's obvious companies. It's a, you know, the dividend aristocrat type situation. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services. If we can help, head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. Yep, you can do it on a weekend. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Set your own appointment. That is pretty slick. Again, AnnexWealth.com. Click in that Get Started button. We hope you have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday, noon, right here, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.